Hi, welcome to the OCBC Insights Podcast, a new program to keep you updated about the latest economic trends and developments. I'm Rachel Young, the host for this podcast. Today, we discuss the double whammy that has hit our stock markets, the virus COVID-19 we are familiar with. None of our speakers here are wearing masks, but we're all standing a comfortable distance from one another. But this Monday was also known as Black Monday, when stocks tanked as the global oil market nosedived 30% at one stage. It's hard to imagine, but are there any silver linings for investors worrying about their portfolios? Tackling this question today are our three guests, OCBC's Chief Economist Selena Ling, Executive Director of Investment Strategy Vasu Menon, and Head of OCBC Investment Research Carmen Lee. Hi everyone. Hello Hi. Rachel. Hey, let's start with Selena. Selena, please tell us what on earth happened on Monday. Well, I'd call it a touch of the March Madness. Um, essentially, people were very worried about the COVID-19 outbreak going global, um, changing from a China-centric story to now hitting the major economies, including the US, Japan, and also Europe. And I think in addition to that, um, the needle that probably broke the camel's back was the fact that you know Russia and OPEC uh, agreement on uh, all production cuts actually broke down. So the prospect of a global oil glut actually sent uh, investors fleeing for safe haven. So we did see a deep correction and very sharp across equity markets, currencies and also a bond rally. My sense is that, you know, the worst is probably not over because we are only starting to see the bad economic data come out for February. And in view of the uh, supply chain disruptions uh, stemming from China, probably the March and maybe even the April numbers are going to look worse. Sounds bad, Vasu. Uh, <laughs> so how should investors ride through these storms? Well, you know, I mean, uh, Selena just uh, highlighted the key question, is the worst over? I think that's playing on the minds of a lot of investors. And for what Selena has said, you can clearly see that, you know, the economic prints have not shown the full impact of the virus. Uh, we will see that down the road. Uh, the virus infections, especially in Europe and US, have not peaked. In fact, uh, they are still rising. Things in China have improved, but outside of China, uh, the infection numbers are, are rising. Uh, equity markets have pulled back very sharply. If you pick uh, global equities especially, between the 17th of January, the market started uh, coming off, and the 9th of March, you know, global equities fell 17%. That seems like a lot. Uh, and some people equate what we're going through right now, you know, the double whammy with oil prices, the sharp pullback in equity markets, as equivalent to what we had during the global financial crisis in 2008. But if you look at the valuations in 2008 when the markets pulled back, uh, you know, the valuation, the, the discounts were a lot uh, cheaper than what you have right now. So we don't have deep value right now in the markets. Uh, markets have pulled back, but the valuations are still uh, not in deep discount territory. Uh, and looking ahead uh, with the headline news uh, on the COVID-19 virus, with oil prices, uh, with the US elections coming up, with the economic prints, and so on and so forth, you know, you're going to see a lot of volatility. So yes, uh, the sharp pullback does present does look like it presents an opportunity, but I think investors have to be careful uh, and tread very carefully. I think uh, at best, if you're looking to buy, buy modestly because, you know, the markets are going to be volatile and the bias, I think it's still towards the downside uh, as the uh, macro uh, picture plays out. Common, yeah. So what can our investors who are holding on to their money, what can they do? 
I think at this stage, uh, there's a bit of panic in the market, which explained the, uh, Basu said earlier about the correction in the market. But uh, having said that, I think that we've always said that investors should still continue to stay invested in the market, but they have to be very selective this round. Uh, the situation is still evolving very rapidly, and I think it's good to just watch the market, stay on the sideline for a while, and look for better values to get into the market. There are several sectors that we think uh, could potentially still be very interesting mm. uh, if it, it does correct further, and uh, that will include some of the technology stocks. Um, data centers, e-commerce, healthcare. Uh, I think even selective REITs are, are definitely uh, things to watch out for in the coming days. Right. Um, you know, we've heard some bad news from health experts that COVID-19 could be here to stay until end 2020. So it's not even something in the next three months, something way longer. Does that change the way um, people should be investing? People should, be, should feel confident about the market? Selena? Well, I think um, if you look at the growth numbers, um, first quarter of 2020 is probably a write-off. Okay, The key question now is whether we will see the global infection numbers peak and hopefully stabilise by the time summer comes around. Um, if it doesn't, then you know the recovery trajectory that most people were hoping for in the second half may not materialise. So I guess it's still fairly early days yet. The situation is very fluid. If you look at the US Treasury bond market and the other global bond markets, they effectively have priced in a global recession. Um, so in a sense, the other risk assets like the equity markets are playing catch-up. Of course, this assumes that you know the monetary and the fiscal authorities will not throw everything at the problem to try and stem the downside bias. We are starting to see a lot more central banks cut interest rates in order to uh, you know, lower int uh, the interest costs and financing for businesses. And on top of that, they are also adding liquidity injections and they are also considering uh, probably more quantitative easing as well. And then on the fiscal side, we are starting to see some of the major economies uh, talk about possible fiscal stimulus in addition to spending to combat the COVID-19 outbreak. So I guess the issue here is that if you do have a significant policy response, both on the monetary and fiscal side, at least that will help to show up a little bit on the business sentiments and consumer confidence in the short term. And this is really the crux of the problem. When demand falls off, you can be fairly sure what was a supply shock will become a recession story. I think in terms of corporate earnings, definitely the sectors which are most hit like hospitality, um, hotels, retail, consumer stocks, those have already been revised out in terms of their earnings. But I think what will happen is for the next phase is uh, some of the sectors that uh, were deemed to be uh, high growth, higher growth sort of uh, sectors, that could possibly see some more um, earnings cuts in the coming quarters as well. So do be careful. I think that uh, do watch. I think after the economic cuts, I think they will be cut in terms of the uh, corporate earnings as well. I know earlier on we were quite enthusiastic about REITs. Is, uh, we, can we still hold on to that view? I think we're still definitely heading into an environment of lower interest rate. And risks traditionally tend to outperform in a very low interest rate environment. But against this backdrop, do bear in mind that uh, risks have outperformed the market in the last two years. And uh, valuations are no longer as cheap as it used to be. So do be careful. And the only selective segment of the risk market that we like, I mean, one of them that we like a lot is uh, data centers. Uh, companies that are involved in uh, commercial as well as uh, industrial risks. So for people trying to diversify their portfolio in this midst of uncertainty, it, is, there, is there still the right time to do something like that, to diversify, looking beyond Singapore, looking beyond different sectors? Even more so now than I think before. 
because diversification, I think, is going to be very, very critical now when there are so many macro headwinds. Um, you know, in the past, you could take concentrated bets with maybe e-commerce players or certain technology players. Um, but I think now it's even more important to diversify, uh, to protect your downside and not just diversify across asset classes. I feel that, you know, we should also uh, diversify across time. In other words, the concept of time diversification or what many of us know as dollar cost averaging. So in other words, to put your money in gradually over a space of time, perhaps over a space of six months, nine months, 12 months, as opposed to trying to time the markets. Because it's, it's going to be very difficult for investors to time the markets with, uh, you know, so much of uh, negative news, positive news, uh, volatility in the market. So it's very, very hard to time the markets. Now, there's one asset class that actually benefits uh, from lower interest rates and all this uncertainty as well. And like you said, COVID-19 could be here for fairly long. So Carmen highlighted REITs. I think gold is another asset class that has done very well. Uh, last year, gold was up 18%. This year, gold is up 10%. Uh, so far, up to the 9th of March uh, this year or so. Uh, and, and gold could do fairly well going forward. Gold is a useful portfolio diversifier. It's emerging as an asset class. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, and you're seeing central banks, institutions, individuals, basically, you know, buy more gold, de-dollarize. And uh, I think that's going to be beneficial for gold in the longer term. So have some gold in your portfolio. <laughs> it's like a bit of an insurance policy in your portfolio, not too much, but you know, I think gold is something uh, for investors to look at a bit of a silver lining in terms of you know investments uh, in this uh, tumultuous times. So and I think you should yeah. also keep some cash, uh, get ready. I think there will be opportunities in the coming months to really uh, buy into quality stocks. So I think keep some cash and get them ready Definitely. for the next. Definitely hold more year. cash than usual. Mm. You know, uh, typically you know you would say hold five percent of your portfolio in cash or 8% of your portfolio in cash, they invested fully. But you know, in, in, in an environment like this, I think it makes more sense to hold more cash than usual. Uh, what percentage that is, is really up to your own comfort level, it can be as much as 20%, maybe even 30%, you know, because I think opportunities are going to emerge in the next uh, few months as the headlines play out. I think if I can add to that, um, really you have to do your homework. You know, it's, as the saying goes, when a tide goes out, you see who is swimming naked, right? So it's the same issue here. Um, there's a lot of market speculation about which central bank will cut rates, uh, pump liquidity into the system, which uh, countries have the ability to run a significant fiscal stimulus. And this is where, actually, if you look at the macroeconomic environment, different countries may have idiosyncratic risks when it comes to the ability of how much they can cut in terms of interest rates or how much they can run in terms of fiscal deficits. So you really have to do your homework and you have to do the credit differentiation. So it sounds like the takeaway here is that there is a silver lining, perhaps even in gold. Everybody has to do their homework, wait it out, maybe even hold more cash than usual. That's right. Are there any parting words you want to give our listeners right now? Well, my view would be that, you know, yes, economic prints are very, very important. Uh, but what I keep a very close eye on would be the infection numbers, uh, the new cases and the infections taking place, especially outside of China. Uh, looking out for signs that, you know, perhaps it's starting to peak. Maybe not yet, but when there are signs it's uh, starting to peak, I think that's going to inject some optimism into the market. Because if you cast your mind back to SARS uh, back in 2002-2003, what ha happened was, you know, the infection numbers started peaking, I think, somewhere around uh, March, April of 2003. And uh, soon after that, the market's bottomed and then staged a huge 
uh, 45% rally on global equities. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, when, when the infection numbers start peaking, uh, there will be even more interesting opportunities. So do keep a very close eye on the infection numbers. Carmen? Um, I think I quite agree with uh, Vasu. That's one of the numbers that we track quite closely. I think the other thing to watch out for is, uh, I think a lot of the uh, pharmaceutical companies are actually looking for the next uh, vaccine that will actually help uh, to uh, uh, cure this virus. So I think that uh, it's, it's not all lost. I think we're still fairly optimistic that a cure could be found fairly soon. Yeah. Great. I think for myself, um, I will be looking at more timely and high-frequency economic data. I think in terms of like um, GDP growth and maybe unemployment rates, those will probably be a little bit uh, lagging. And I think uh, it's more important to keep your ears to the ground, you know, on how businesses are coping, you know, with this uh, COVID-19 challenge and what they're doing to try and have workarounds in terms of the worker restrictions on travel. And also in terms of like the capacity usage of the China factories, for instance, and how fast they're coming back into, uh, you know, full cycle again. I think uh, this supply disruptions will probably work themselves out in a couple of weeks or months. But I guess at the end of the day, really is the consumption story, the demand story that I think will probably differentiate whether we actually head in a recession or not. Well, thanks. It's been less than 15 minutes, but I think we've given our listeners a lot to unpack. We hope that everyone listening has enjoyed this podcast. And for more insights, you can find us on our Telegram channel, OCBC Insights on Spotify. This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.